put that on your card as well, so that'd be great. Well, I am glad you're here this morning. I'm getting a little bit of ring from uh, my mic, uh, but glad you guys are here. We're on week number two of a series that we're doing here at Ignite called Ghosted, Experiencing the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, if you're a little more old school, through the book of Acts. And uh, so for the rest of October and through November, we're going to be kind of doing a whirlwind trip through the book of Acts, and we are going through and just... And we're, we're being stretched by the early church, the early believers, and how they lived out their faith empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we're being stretched a little bit to consider, wow, first of all, this is a, the, the book of Acts is a pretty jaw-dropping sort of book. And so it's, we're, we're being stretched to consider, could God still work like that today? Could God work in these kinds of ways through ordinary people like us, like you and like me. And so we are, are, are going, walking through this a step at a time. Last week we looked at, uh, we kind of focused our time really about, uh, around Acts uh, chapter 1 verse 8, which we said was like the theme verse for the, the entire book of Acts. It's, it's when Jesus is talking and he says to his followers, he says, you will experience, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. And we said that's pretty much the entire book of Acts. We'll see one after another after another of the Holy Spirit Spirit coming in power and empowering ordinary people uh, and, and showing, showing himself and his power in pretty amazing ways through ordinary people like you and me. And then there's all, it always follows up with sort of a gospel proclamation of, of ways that we can be witnesses and we kind of point back and say, it's not me, it's Jesus, right? It's God, it's his spirit, it's, it's him at work in us and through us. And we talked about last week that, that, that power and that mission piece that are so married together. Well, today I want to take a, take a look. We're going to take the next step. We're going to look at Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4, and we're going to talk about the power of the Spirit and the authority of Jesus in, to do miracles. And this is, again, this is going to stretch us. I mentioned to our, uh, we were praying with our, our, our team out front earlier, and I mentioned, like, this is stretching for us. As, as North American Christians, we tend to think of Christianity, we tend to think of being a, being a disciple as something that we learn, something that we know. It's about our mind, right? We're really good at loving the Lord our God with all of our mind, but not necessarily, not necessarily with all of our heart and soul and strength as well. And so this is a stretch for us. Uh, and we're like, man, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know about this because this is, this is stepping out from what we believe and what we know, which is important. Of course, that's a part of it. Uh, I'm not minimizing that right doctrine, making sure we're believing the right stuff. Incredibly critical. But here's what I want you to consider is that sometimes with all this emphasis on thinking, we've become in very practical ways almost like atheists, right? Where we, we function as though Jesus were not alive. We live our lives as though the Holy Spirit lacks power, as though God were almost dead. And I have to say, man, when you read through the book of Acts, you read through the New Testament, I think we'll find that God is anything but, right? That God is very much alive, that God is still very much at work in our world, in our church, that he's the same spirit that we read about in the book of Acts is the same spirit that lives inside of us. And if we were to step into that and lean into that a little bit, I wonder if God doesn't have huge things in store. If he still wants to show his power and his glory so that a world that is far from God can come to know and experience new life in Christ. It's the good stuff. You know, around the world, even though, even though this is a stretch for us in terms of a, the North American mindset and we're so left-brained and thinking about what we know, 
but the, the, but the church around the world. I mentioned, I think, last week that the two places uh, on earth right now where the, the kingdom of God, where the, where the church is decreasing significantly is Japan and the U.S., right? Japan and North America, we'll say. Um, those are the two areas. But particularly in the southern hemisphere, you go there, and it's not just about what they know, although they are experiencing good doctrine and good Bible teaching and that kind of stuff too, but so much of their experience is with the Holy Spirit, and he is doing incredible things. Let me give you some examples. In the country of Iran right now, there are multitudes of, uh, of reports from missiologists about Muslims, sometimes even villages and, and, and city towns, Muslims having dreams of vision where all the people are seeing uh, and experiencing this person that's identifying themselves as Esau, which is Arabic for Jesus. <laughs> That incredible people that have been devout Muslims are turning away from that and turning to Christ sometimes in I mean by the hundreds and by the thousands because of a supernatural revelation of God showing himself to them it's different supernatural sort of supernatural conversion sort of things amazing stories in in parts of Africa and South America they're experiencing unbelievable uh, growth I, I talked about some of that last week I've got a friend though uh, that's that's in Uganda I met him about a year ago pastor Elisha is his name and uh, he's from Uganda he posts uh, all the time and he's sharing about God working in amazing miraculous sort of ways where they're seeing people find freedom in Christ freedom from all kinds of crap from their past people that are finding experiencing healing and thousands and thousands and thousands of people are finding Christ. In fact, this he's the pastor. Uh, he's one. I went to this church planning thing uh, maybe a year ago or something like that. And he's a humble, just godly man. And he was saying, man, I, he, he's like, yeah, I, just, I got talking to him. And he's like, yeah, I'm just here to learn. I'm just here. He's like, I just feel like I don't really know what I do, uh, I'm doing. And I'm like, oh, yeah, are you, are you a church planner? He said, yeah. Well, we start talking. He's planted 25 churches. <laughs> and he's like, he just feels like God wants to do so much more. He's like, I just feel like I, I'm a novice. So he's planting six churches between now and the end of the year. Like in the next, what, eight weeks or something, 10 weeks, something like that. I mean, he's, it, it's crazy. They're experiencing unbelievable, rapid expansion of the church. It's like the book of Acts there. But today, continuing to this day, I remember. I'm running across this story a number of years ago. True stories in, in the paper, uh, I read or online or something, uh, about a little, uh, not a little boy, a, a teenage boy in Nacida, Wisconsin, kind of between Stevens Point and Madison, kind of in that area, that was in a car wreck. He had the family convertible out and was going for a spin. Later on at night, there, a deer jumped out in front of him, so he swerved, rolled the car. I mean, can you imagine? By the time they got him to the hospital, he had a punctured, uh, collapsed lung, broken leg, and spinal cord damage along with uh, all kinds of cuts and lacerations and stuff, they ended up having to put him in a drug-induced coma for four days because they were worried about brain swelling, they were worried about the spinal cord, all kinds of things. They took him to the Marshfield Clinic, the best kind of hospital in that region, and the, the doctors there uh, estimated his odds of survival being about one in a hundred. It did not look good for him. Well, he comes from a family of believers, and so they started praying. Well, this last day, I mean, after four days, they tried to bring him out of this drug-induced coma. And you know what happened? He didn't wake up. 
And so he's still in this coma, and doctors are getting concerned. They're like, man, if he doesn't wake up soon, this is not a good sign. And so his dad goes in and just prays over him and reads the word over him that night. And he's like, I I know this sounds weird, but he says, I just, I kept hearing the words of Jesus to Lazarus. And I just kept praying them and kind of repeating them over my son that night. Come forth, he kept saying. He said, in Jesus' name, you've got to find, come forth, wake up. And the next morning, he opened his eyes and woke up for the first time. He, uh, the family was beside themselves with joy. But the spinal cord damage was still a very major concern. He had, he had uh, fractured his C4 vertebrae in his neck. I mean, big deal. Same one that, that Christopher Reeve did years ago, and it put him in a wheelchair. The, the, the risk of immediate uh, full or partial uh, paralysis was significant. So Nathan, this young teenage boy, as he... As he had his collar on, was kind of trapped in this hospital bed. It was his practice of of reading the Bible and praying every night before he went to bed. And so for two weeks, he started praying earnestly for healing and just claiming it in Jesus' name, saying, man, Jesus, you have power and authority. I believe you can heal. Touch my neck. Bring healing in the power and in the name of Jesus. And after two weeks, he prayed that prayer and he heard this kind of almost like your neck is cracking, cracking on his vertebrae and on his neck. Well, the next morning, the doctors came in. He told them about it, and they they said, oh, man, probably it's your your vertebrae coming apart and expanding. They took him in immediately for x-rays, and uh, they came back and said, I don't understand what happened, but your vertebrae have fused back together. And they said, the doctors and nurses were all stunned because your body can't actually do that. They said, there's no, we have no explanation. And the, the kid's like, well, I, I do. <laughs> I mean, it's God, right? It's God. He healed me. He healed me. Amazing kind of story. But there's stories like that from around the world of a God who still to this day has power and can bring healing and can do the miraculous. In fact, after just three months after the accident, uh, the do- his doctors cleared him to play football and to re-engage in wrestling and track. Isn't that incredible? God brought about a full healing. Well, how do you explain stuff like that apart from the power and the presence of the risen Jesus available through his spirit? People finding healing and being set free. Jesus supernaturally appearing to people in dreams or the rapid expansion of the gospel, even places where demons are being cast out still. Amazing kind of stuff. I read this week that 95% of family physicians believe in the healing power of God. <laughs> I'm like, you, you want to know why? Because sometimes stuff happens and they have no explanation. How do you explain that? How do you explain it? You know, I skipped over this last week, but I'm going to go back uh, just for a minute, just back to Acts chapter 1, verse 1, and I just want to point something out to you, and uh, it's going to kind of set up the day. Acts 1, 1 starts out this way. It says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus, I want you to say that next word, all that Jesus began. Okay, that was pretty weak. You can talk in church. I want to read this again. So like, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. What does the word began imply? It's start, but what it, it implies what? It, it implies, okay, yeah, it's new, but he, he started something, but it implies there's more, right? It's, in fact, this is, we're just scratching the surface. He says, he says man, I, 
I've put this together to tell you about what Jesus began to do and to teach. And then he's taken up and then he continues to do and to teach. But this time, instead of doing it with Jesus' physical presence on earth, what does he do it through? He does it through the Holy Spirit, through his church, right? And, 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 and I, I find this interesting that as we start walking through the book of Acts, you want to know what you see the disciples, they eventually become called apostles, which means sent ones. But the apostles end up doing over and over and over is they end up doing what Jesus did and proclaiming or saying what Jesus said. It's the two things. He began it but they see it through the completion. It's this exact same thing that Jesus says in John 14, right? Where Jesus says, this, he says, very truly I tell you, listen to this, whoever believes in me, who is he talking to here? Whoever believes in me, who is he talking to? Us, right? The church, people that are Christ followers. He's like, if you're a Christ follower, if you believe in me, he says, very truly I tell you, everybody who believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name. (laughs) It's important. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, he says, and I will do it. Well, I find myself asking the question this week and wondering, what if that's true? I mean, does this peg our weird meter a little bit as North American Christians? We're like, no, church is about knowing, and we go and we write sermon notes, and we memorize Bible verses, but we don't actually live this stuff out. But what if it's true? What if, if, if what Jesus is saying here in John 14, and what if it's what's being written in Acts chapter 1, what if it's true? What if the Holy Spirit's job, right, part of what he does is he empowers us to do the things Jesus did and to say the things that Jesus said? What if there's power, supernatural power, that is available? In fact, not just available, but is living inside of us, often untapped. But what if there's more? Well, this is where we're going today. We're going to dive into Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4. I'm going to uh, skip over a little bit, but we're going to walk through most of this. And I just want you to to pay attention, and I just want you to, to consider what if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What if the same power that we're talking about and reading about in Acts chapter 3 and in Acts chapter 4, what if that same power is available to you and me today as we follow and live in the Holy Spirit, as we have faith in the resurrected Jesus, the reigning Jesus? All right, Acts chapter 3, let's read. says this, One day Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he uh, was put every day to beg from those who were going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us, look at us. And so the man gave them his attention. He's, He's expecting to get something from them, which he did, but not what he thought. Verse 6, then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I, ha- what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. 
Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Right? He, he then went into the temple courts. He's walking and jumping and praising God. No rehab necessary, right? For, the, for those that have hip replacement or ankle replacement, all, the, all that kind of stuff today, and they get you out of bed right away, right? And, and what do you walk like when you do that, right? They, they put you in a walker or something and you kind of take a step like, like this because it takes a while for you. This is instantaneous power, instantaneous healing. This guy does not need rehab. He doesn't need to, he jumps up and starts walking. He's never used these muscles before, but God strengthens them and he begins walking and leaping and praising God. He's doing victory laps around the temple, right? I mean, like he's like, woohoo, this is awesome. God has done an amazing thing. Incredible. Verse 9, when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with awe. They were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. Wow. So Peter and John are on their way to to prayer at the temple, right? Like, Like they did hundreds and thousands of times before. I mean, how many times had they walked through this gate, right, this, this temple gate? I mean, scores of times. How many times had they walked by this beggar and never noticed, never turned aside, right? It's, it's often what we do when we see a homeless person or somebody asking. We walk right by. We pay no attention. We just kind of do our thing. We kind of don't make eye contact, right? We kind of walk. But, but on this particular day, the Holy Spirit nudges them. and says, I want you to stop, and I want you to bring freedom and healing to somebody that desperately needs it. And so they turn towards this guy. And Jesus does an amazing work. He brings healing to somebody, a poor soul that desperately needs it. I wonder, I wonder if the Holy Spirit could still do that today. I wonder if you and I would even be open to it, (laughs) right? I mean, like, if the Holy Spirit nudged you and said, man, I want you to stop and I want you to pray a prayer of proclamation, right? That in the power of Jesus' name, be healed, right? Would you stand up and walk? Would you be, if, if the Holy Spirit nudged you, would you be willing to step out and to speak out in a way that, that, that the Holy Spirit might take and use to bring freedom or healing or the supernatural into our world? If we're honest, if we're honest, I think a lot of us would be like, like, I can think about, I can second guess, I can, like, fear might keep me, you know, what if, all this kind of stuff, Man, think my way out of it. But I'll tell you what, Peter and John here, what's, what's interesting to me is they don't let fear or doubt or second guessing get in their way. They are unbelievably confident in the risen and reigning Jesus and in his, in his power to do anything. They've seen him. They've experienced him. They are filled with his spirit and they are convinced of his power of his supremacy of his ability to work through his spirit and bring healing or whatever else they're confident that the spirit living in them can empower them to do the things that jesus did and to say the things that jesus said in the name of jesus christ of nazareth they say walk 
You know, it's interesting, that phrase shows up eight times in these two chapters, eight times, in the name of Jesus. It means in the, in the authority, in the power of Jesus. Peter and John are not confident in their own abilities, right? They can't heal anybody on their own, but they are supremely confident in the resurrected and reigning Jesus, in the power of his spirit which lives in them. That's why they pray this prayer of proclamation in the name, in the authority, in the power of Jesus. They, they, they know he holds all power. He holds all authority. If he speaks, it is done. And Jesus has proven it, right? They've seen it with their own eyes. He walked out of the end of his own tomb, <laughs> proving that he holds all power and all authority. So they're believing, they're trusting, they are clinging to that fact that there's power in his name. So they pray in the name of Jesus and God heals. They step out in faith and they speak out and God pours out his spirit in power. And that's sort of a pattern we start seeing throughout the book of Acts, throughout even the spirit-directed life, that God will constantly call us outside of our comfort zones, out of our safety, out of familiar. We're going to talk a lot about this next week as we talk about the church in Jerusalem. It's nice and comfy and safe and everything else, and God sends them out from there because he has bigger plans. But God does that. He'll prompt us to pray for healing or to share about Jesus or to help somebody in need or help somebody even pray for freedom or whatever else with somebody else. He'll, he'll prompt us through his spirit to step out in faith, confident in the power and the authority of Jesus to do what he says he'll do. In the name of Jesus, not some dead guy, but the name of the living, reigning, sovereign Jesus in the name of Jesus, they say, rise up and walk. And God's spirit heals this guy. He's jumping around, praising God. It's an amazing sight. Let's keep going. We're going to jump to verse 11. Keep, keep walking through this. It says, while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. Verse 12, when Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Can I pause for a second? I love this. So if you saw God heal somebody that's never walked before, supernaturally jumps up, and they start doing victory laps around the room, would you be surprised? <laughs> would we be surprised? We don't expect him to do that. But listen, this is what he says. He, I mean, this is what Peter says. Peter's like, I'm not surprised. You shouldn't be surprised. Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? We don't have that kind of power. The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer, a Barabbas, be released to you. You killed the author of life. Listen to this. But God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. Verse 16, by faith in the name of Jesus. There it is again. In the name and the power, the authority of Jesus, this man who you see, uh, see and know has been made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what had been foretold through all the prophets, saying that this Messiah would suffer. Repent, verse 19, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and so that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. 
and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed to you, even Jesus, meaning Jesus, right? Now, this is just classic. I mean, what we talked about last week, power and proclamation. They step out in faith. They speak out as witnesses. They share about Jesus. You will receive power when the Spirit comes on you. And, and God does do that, right, doesn't he? He brings healing to this guy's life. And then they are witnesses as they share and point people back to Jesus. They share the gospel and say, man, there's life. It's not just something that's for us. It's not for the religious elite. It's not just for, for a you super Christian kind of people. It's for everyone, right? I, and I love the way they say it. Man, repent then. Turn away from your sin. Turn away from the direction you're going. Turn back to God that times of refreshing may come for your soul, that the Messiah might come into your heart and into your life, that the, his same spirit might come and live inside you. There's forgiveness. There's life if we'll turn and open up our hearts and lives to Jesus. Man, I love that. God brings healing, and then they share and explain about Jesus. Chapter 4, we're going to keep going. Chapter 4, starting with verse 1, we'll jump ahead and read this. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead, and they didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. Uh, verse 3, they seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men, intentional word there, who believed grew to about 5,000. Now just fast forward a little bit, 50 days before this, five zero days before this, there had been 120 of believers right on the planet when jesus ascended to heaven there was around 120 then it went well actually when jesus died there was about 120 when he, then he appeared to 500 people right and convinced them he was alive which that the, the the number of believers grew then to about 500 on the day of pentecost we read last week how many people came to came to christ three thousand in one day and now here we are just a, a days later right not not very long later and that's they said now it's grown to 5,000 men the implication and it means men the implication is many of them were married many of them had children so now there's probably between 10 and 15,000 believers happened in 50 days it's incredible rapid expansion of the gospel more than 120 converts and more than 120 people coming to Christ a day is what what, what we're guesstimating, what we can figure out from, from this timeline. I mean, the city that they live in is being transformed because Jesus is alive and because he's at work in his people and they are doing what Jesus did and saying what Jesus said over and over. Power plus proclamation. They step out and they speak out and then God pours out his spirit in miraculous kind of ways. Verse 5, we'll keep going. It says, The next day the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas the high priest was there. Uh, so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others from the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them, By what power or what name did you do this? And then Peter, and again, this is interesting, right? Filled with the Holy Spirit. Kind of uh, connotation there. Make, make sure that you know. He's filled with the Holy Spirit saying this. He said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if, if, you are, if we are being called into account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. 
Jesus is, and this is a quote from the Old Testament, the stone that the builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Verse 12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Here's the cycle that starts starts to get interesting. Peter and John stepped out. They followed the Spirit's prompting. They were in the Spirit's power and, and, and in the authority of the risen Christ. They step out and they pray a prayer of proclamation of healing over a man who was crippled. And God heals him. Next, what happens? So they, they step out. Next, what happens? Well, they speak out. They share the good news about Jesus, about his resurrection, about the new life that's available to everybody if you would just come and put your faith and trust in him, in his name, in the power of his name, right? He says, man, it, it's, it's great. Just come, and they speak out, and they invite people in, come and experience this for themselves. And, and then the next thing that happens is persecution. <laughs> because, and, and this happens consistently in our day the same way as it did then. Anytime there's a work of God, right? Anytime people start taking steps of faith and moving forward, there's always backlash. There is, there's, whether it's spiritual attack or whatever else. But oftentimes it comes from people, a lot of times it comes from religious people. The same way as it did here in this story. People that, 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 man, you start talking about living, you know, being directed by the Spirit, about God doing something supernatural in your life, in you, or through you, or whatever else. It makes people uncomfortable, and so they start coming against you. There's, for lack of a better term, there's haters, right? And you can see it. All you have to do is go on Facebook or Twitter or social media, Instagram, social media of some kind, and watch. It's often the religious people that are the haters that are on there against everything. And you're like, come on, people, the, peop- the very people that ought to get it, don't. But there's haters, there's persecution that starts coming at them. They get arrested in this case, this is pretty significant. They get arrested, thrown in jail, they stand before, uh, eventually we'll see they're threatened uh, not to, to speak any longer in this name. But what do they do? Do they shrink back? <laughs> do they shrink back? Not at all. They, 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 they step out. And they speak out, but they also hold out. They keep moving forward. And they end up saying, man, is it right for us to, to, to obey you or God? Take your pick. We have to keep doing what Jesus did and saying what Jesus said. We, we don't have a choice. We're witnesses. It's who we are. I don't know. It would be intimidating, too, because Peter and John are standing before the same group. I think it's 71 religious leaders, Sadducees, something like that. They, they were in this big uh, kind of arena kind of thing where they were elevated like a judge would be elevated in our day. And they're, 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 you know, Peter and John are down below. This is the same group that handed Jesus over to be killed. It's the same group that likely uh, would have wanted uh, Peter and John's testimony just 50 days earlier, 51 days earlier, something like that. Like just, a, just when they scattered, right? And Peter's like, I don't know the man. I don't know him. But now they're here 51 days later, and there's a couple things that have changed. What's changed, by the way? Holy Spirit, right? That's, oh, uh, yeah, but what's, even before that, what's, what's changed? They saw Jesus, right? They saw him die. They saw him put in the tomb. They saw the stone rolled in front of it. And they saw him appear to them over the course of 40 days and nights. 
teaching them, proving to them that he is alive, that he is Lord. So they've seen and experienced the resurrected Christ, and now his spirit has come to fill them and consume them. Two very different changes, and their lives have been transformed. They are not these same people that ran away like scared little children just 50 days ago now are standing up before these power brokers, these religious leaders who are threatening them and telling them not to speak any longer. And they are speaking. So, so they are, they stepped out, they speak out, but now they hold out. They, they will not be swayed. They refuse to back down. And as a result, more people come to Christ and the people take note that they had been with Jesus. I love that. I mentioned this a couple of few years ago sometime, but the word when, it's, when it says, man, they took, when, when the, these leaders and the people, when they realized that these were unschooled, ordinary men, it says they took note that they'd been with Jesus, right? But, but the word for, uh, uh, the, that gets translated ordinary in English is the Greek word idiotes. <laughs> what does that sound like? These guys are idiots. Like I, the, 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 that's what I love about this. They're ordinary salt of the earth kind of people they are people like you and people like me right they're just ordinary people there's nothing special about them and so when when the people recognize that the that that somehow these ordinary people have spoken with power and authority they have brought healing into a situation which everybody knows is a miracle right the people are buzzing because this guy's never walked before now he steps he's more than 40 years old He's walking around and he's praising God and jumping around. They're like, there's nothing special about these guys. And so they take note. You know what? This couldn't have been them. It must be God. I think so often with with this kind of stuff, when we start talking about walking in the power of the Spirit and even just being soft enough and having our hearts and our ears attuned to what the Holy Spirit's saying, and when he prompts us to do something, so often we think, well, I couldn't do that. I I. I wouldn't know how to lead a Bible study. I wouldn't know how to speak for Christ. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a, I wouldn't know how to heal somebody. I don't have the right words. I wouldn't know how to, you know, I, I wouldn't know how to pray out loud. I wouldn't know how to do any of those things. And I love this because, because here in this passage, we're like, that's precisely the point, right? We're idiots, right? We're like, not really, not in a condescending way, but like, we're just ordinary, regular people, but we have this treasure that's within, don't we? The power of the Spirit. It's not through confidence in our name. It's through confidence in the risen Christ, in His name, and His Spirit that lives inside of us. So that when we step out and God pours out His power, as we step out and we speak out and God pours out His power, where does the glory go? It goes to Him. People take note that we, that we've been with Jesus. He's the special one. He's the powerful one and not us. It's Jesus in them. We should, we should keep going. Verse 18, uh, chapter 4 says this. It says, Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Well, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to listen to him? What's the implied answer? Him, of course, duh. Right? Uh, and it says, uh, you be the judges. Verse 20, as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. They're witnesses. 21, after further threats, they let him go. They couldn't decide how to punish him because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. 
And when they heard this, they all raised their voices together in prayer to God. Listen to this prayer. This is great. Sovereign Lord, they said, you've made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You're creator. You can do anything. Verse 25, you spoke through the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. Verse 28, they did though, this is the crazy part, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. What they're saying is all the other powers in the world, they might think they're conniving and going their own way, but God will use it for his good and according to his plan. He'll turn it around. Listen to this, verse 29, this is, this is great. Now, Lord, they pray, Consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The second sort of Pentecostal moment. And they spoke the word of God boldly. Isn't that great? What a great prayer. They're threatened, but rather than shrinking back, what do they pray for? What do they pray for? They pray for more, God. Would you pour out more power? Would you do more miracles so that your word can go out to more people and more lives can be transformed and more glory can go to Jesus? Would you give us boldness? Would you work in ways that advance your purposes and your kingdom? Man, you and I, friends, we ought to be praying this kind of prayer every stinking day, right? God, we're praying for more of you. Give us boldness so that we don't shrink back, but so that we can step out in faith and follow you, so that we can speak out, right, and, and, and proclaim your word. Would you pour out your spirit to work and to show off, show your, show your glory and your power to the world around us? Love that. Draw people to yourself through the gospel, and would you proclaim it through us? As the disciples step out, and they speak out, and they hold out, they don't shrink back, and they pray out, what does God do? God pours out his spirit in power, and more and more and more people come to know Jesus. He heals people. He, I mean, through them, he brings his kingdom in power, and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands more people come into the family of God. The message of Jesus goes out in power, and he changes the world through them. Uh, quick tangent. Um, First Corinthians talks about this, and I, I just think it's interesting. G, uh, Paul says, he's, he's talking to the, the Corinthian church, and he says, you know, when I came to you, I, I didn't come with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of your spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on man's wisdom, but on God's power. And I just, I just think, man, so much in, in the North American church these days, we just don't see power. Has, has God lost his power? <laughs> is God not able? Is the, is the strong name of Jesus, is, is he less strong than he was 2,000 years ago? Or are we just not stepping into it? I'm going to ask you just to, to kind of ponder this for a minute. Just kind of ponder, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? How is the Holy Spirit? Because the Spirit is speaking <laughs> through this passage, through Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 4. What's the Spirit asking you to do to, to, to sort of grow in this whole area of, 
of, of going out filled in his power to do the things that Jesus did and to say the things that Jesus said. I want you to think about that for, for just a moment. As we kind of wrap up, let me just kind of encourage you, just kind of remind us that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is not lacking in power. He's, that Jesus is still alive, is he not? He is still Lord of all. He, there is still power in his name. And man, he has good plans in store for his church. I know this, again, this might be stretching to us. It, it would be, um, I kind of, before I kind of go any further, let me just say, it would be, it would be off of me if we, uh, if we talk about a story like this. I know in real life, there are some of us here today that probably are in need of healing in one way or another. We're in need of God to bust into our lives in one area or another. It, it could be physical. It could be emotional. It could be, it could be healing from wrong and abuse or whatever else that happened to us years and decades ago. It could be stuff that's going on in your, your world right now, ways that you need to see God bust in to your life and into your world. And you know what? I just want to just make myself and a few of us available. Man, there's, there's a few of us that will be up here after uh, the service today. If you need somebody to pray for you and just pray the power of Jesus over you, uh, I, I'd love to do that. He does not lack power. I, my, my philosophy has always been the same as John Wimber, who is the, the founder of the Vineyard Church Movement. And he just said, man, there's power in Jesus' name, and our expectation should always be for God to answer and for God to heal. But our job is to ask, and God's job is the results, right? So God will do what God does. But we, we are to come expectantly with our faith in the strong name of Jesus and in the power of his Spirit to act and to move. And we would be delighted to pray those kind of prayers over you um, today. And so if, that, if there's something that's really on your heart today, Man, we'd love to, love to pray with you uh, when this service is done. But let me just kind of do a quick kind of snapshot. Uh, can, can we just kind of go up? There's four things we've been inviting people into and saying, man, for the next, we're, we're doing this for seven weeks. We're walking through the book of Acts. So it's kind of a whirlwind trip. But we're asking you to engage, right? If this, if this is just a head thing where we sit down and we write a couple notes and, and, and we just say, oh, good message, pastor, right? And it's something that we learn then we've missed it. I mean, this, what, what, we're, what we as a church are, are doing in the season is we're trying to open ourselves up to the work and the ministry and the power of the Holy Spirit. And we are, we're being encouraged to step into that actively, not just passively, not just what we know, but how we live. And so we're saying for, for the next, I guess, six weeks, we, since we're week two in, would you, would you read five chapters a week of the book of Acts, right? It's 28 chapters long. We're saying you, during each day of the work week, would you be willing to read one chapter? It'll take you five minutes. And, and here's the thing, though. I'm asking you to read it like this a little bit, like in, in terms of posture, like not that you have to read it on your knees, but just, to, just saying, Holy Spirit, would you speak to me in the pages of this book? What do you want? How do you want me to live? What are you stretching me to believe? What, what opportunities are you giving me? Speak to me, God, in the pages of this book. Give me, I mean, embolden me. Give me courage and strength to follow you out there, not just in here kind of thing. And so would you be willing to go through that? Like I said, man, five five to ten minutes a day, you read it and you just, you, you read through the words uh, in Acts this week. If, if you started with us last week, this will be week uh, Acts 6 through 10 is what we'll be reading this week. And you read a chapter of that and then you just listen and say, Holy Spirit, 
speak to me. What are you impressing on me? What do I need to do? How do I need to act as a result of this so that I can do the things that Jesus did and say the things that Jesus said? Next one. As the Spirit prompts you this week, would you consider stepping out in faith and speaking out as a witness for Christ? And, and all I mean by that is, man, is if we are going through our weeks and even just praying these kind of prayers, just say, God, keep me in step with your Spirit. How, how do you want me to live for you today? If we're kind of in that kind of mindset, as we go through the day, if God nudges you to do something and it lines up with his book, it lines up with his word, why not do it? Right? Like, what's, what's the downside? If he nudges you to pray for somebody, you don't need to do, like, a 10-week prayer on if that was actually the Holy Spirit or not. Like, if he, if, he, if he prompts you to pray for somebody, what if you just stopped right then and prayed for them? What, if there's somebody that needs help and, and you feel a nut, what if you just stopped right there and helped? If there's somebody that you're in conversation with and something gets said, uh, and it's clear, man, they, 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 know, they don't know Jesus and they need to, maybe, maybe God will prompt you just to stop and just to say a word. We were talking about this in the office as we came about how often, I mean, you'll hear somebody that will say something. We did this uh, Easter ad uh, on social media uh, a year or two ago kind of stuff, and somebody jumped on and said, man, you don't actually believe in zombie Jesus, do you? <laughs> that was their comment. And I'm like, well, not exactly zombie Jesus, but if, you, if you're asking if I believe that he died and rose again, the answer is unequivocally, yeah, and I've experienced his power in my life. Sometimes it's just a little word that we say, yeah. Yes, I believe. <laughs> like Sometimes God will just prompt us just to say a word. Sometimes God will just prompt us to love on somebody or care for somebody. somebody sometimes God will prompt us to share the gospel. Not, to, not even just to bring him to church, which is a little more comfortable for us. But sometimes he'll say, no, I want you to share with him that there's, that there's life and forgiveness that, through Jesus. And that they, if, they, if they would just cry out and put their faith and trust in ground for Christ to come and save them, he'll do it. And he'll fill them with his spirit, right? Like he'll make them new and all this kind of stuff. Maybe he'll prompt you to do that. Maybe he'll prompt you to actually pray out loud for somebody around you, right? Say, man, they're hurting. Somebody's going through a rough season. What if you put a hand on their shoulder or, or six feet away, whatever is appropriate in that situation, and just pray over them and just pray for God's blessing and healing and presence and protection and everything else? What if he prompts you to pray healing over somebody? Would you be willing to step out and actually do it and to speak out and actually say it so that we're doing the things that Jesus did and saying the things that Jesus said? You'll receive power when the Spirit comes on you and you will be you, idiotes, right? You, ordinary, unschooled, you, we will be his witnesses. A couple more. Would you be willing to pray out, even if you want, even just praying from uh, Acts chapter 4, that prayer that we, that we read through earlier. You could open that up and start praying, God, God, would you give us boldness? Would you give us a sensitivity spirit? God, would you come and fill us afresh with, fill me afresh with your spirit today? Just start regularly praying those things. Give me sensitivity to your leading, your direction, all that kind of stuff. And the last one is just, would you keep your eyes open? If you're noticing and seeing, as we're, as we're becoming more attuned to him, if you're seeing the Holy Spirit's work in your life, 
why don't you write it down and share it. Share it with one another. Let's, let's make this kind of a fun experiment as we step out together. I had a cool opportunity this week where the Spirit uh, did, did something cool. I got to share the gospel with somebody. Somebody was open and hungry for it. And uh, you just man, it was just a moment where the Spirit just set it up, teed it up, <laughs> right? And it was just a, a couple of questions, and we were there, right? And it was just, I, I, I could just feel the Spirit press it in to share. And then I could also feel the Spirit just say, yeah, you need to ask them if they're ready to do it, right, kind of thing. That's a whole different thing. It's one thing to talk about Jesus and the theoretical. It's another thing to step up and say, man, what's standing in the way from you moving forward with with you opening up your heart and life? Why not do it now and then praying with them? It's a step of faith, right? That's 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 what the Holy Spirit does, though. He prompts us. He nudges us. We step out, follow. When When you see him work, would you take note? I'd love to get emails, texts of ways that you're experiencing the Holy Spirit more in this season. Fair enough? Friends, I think God has great plans in store for us if we're willing to step out, right? If we're willing to speak out, he'll pour out his spirit and he'll do great things. Let's close in prayer. Father, that's our cry this morning. We want to be men and women who are, who are supremely confident in the power of your name. We want to be men and women who are filled with your spirit, who walk and stay in step with your spirit, that, are, that, are, that will go where you uh, call us to go, that will say what you call us to say, that will do what you call us to do, that we can be like Jesus and reflect your glory and your goodness, that your power would be seen through us, that your gospel would be heard through us, that your love would be experienced through us. God, just come and have your way. We need you so much. We just pray, come and fill us, Holy Spirit. Come and lead us and direct us. May your kingdom come and your will be done in our lives as it is in heaven, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.